Hello, welcome to another episode of Papa Bear Hikes. All right, today I'm excited to welcome to the podcast the newest member of our 2023 Papa Bear Hikes Virtual AT Tramley, Jessica, aka Blue Haired Hiker. Jessica, welcome to Papa Bear Hikes. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, Jessica, you know, we came across you a little bit after we started the group this year, but that's okay. Uh, we welcome everybody and I've read what you're doing and it's exciting to me. It's always exciting to hear people are venturing out and doing something because to do this, you're going outside your comfort zone to begin with. Is this your first through hike, Jessica, by the way, before I go any further? Uh, definitely the first one of this magnitude, for sure. Okay. Yeah. All righty. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, Jessica? Sure. Uh, so for the past... 10, 15 years or so. I've been a full-time yoga teacher. I ran my own yoga studio for about 10 years. Uh, technically, I still do that. It's just in a very different form than it was before COVID. Um, so that's what I've been doing. I live in New Hampshire right now. I'm originally from Mid-Hudson Valley area of New York. I got into hiking because... I live in New Hampshire. How could you not get into hiking? I had done it in the past. Um, my dad is a big outdoorsman. And when I was a kid, you know, we did all sorts of camping, that kind of stuff. Um, he wasn't much into hiking. He's still kind of wondering where the hiking thing came from with me, I think, to be honest. Um, but he definitely instilled my love of the outdoors that I've been kind of able to rekindle in the last several years since living in New Hampshire and being not terribly far from the White Mountains and all the great hiking that's here. So, yeah, Jessica, when I hear about people who live in places like that, I've interviewed people that are in, in the Rockies uh, here in New York. You have the Adirondacks and the Catskills. And I just think you've just got this giant playground, well, at least for somebody like myself who loves the outdoors. You just got this giant playground right there in your backyard. Yep. And how can you not take advantage of it? Exactly. And that's my next question. You've had an opportunity to hike the whites at all? Definitely. Um, so most people know there's two pretty common lists here. The 48, 4,000 footers are the most popular. I've done about 13 or 14 of those. Um, the list that I've been doing more is the 52 with a view, uh, which a lot of people think of as like, what they do after the 4,000 footers. Um, but I actually think it's a really great way to not just prepare for the 4,000 footers, but also just see the state of New Hampshire because that list really takes you from the very farther northmost region, like you're right up against Canada all the way down to Mount Monadnock in the southern part to the east to the west. It's kind of all over the whole state and as somebody who didn't grow up here like it's brought me to places in the state I don't think I would have gotten to if I hadn't had that list to kind of check out so I've done about half of that list um so yeah whites for sure other places too I'm a list type person myself and I recently interviewed somebody from the Adirondacks and we had this conversation. You know, I said, I, I think the Adirondacks might, the Adirondack 46 might be like the AT of peak bagging. And then I caught myself and I said, well, wait a minute, people up in New Hampshire, they might not take kindly to that. Uh, have, you, have you hiked in the Adirondacks at all? I haven't. Um, it's kind of funny. 
again, growing up in New York, growing up in the Catskills, I didn't even know about the 3500 list until recently, like within the last couple of years. When I was a kid, like nobody was talking about that, I guess, at least in the circles I was traveling in. So um, nope, haven't really hiked in the Adirondacks. Definitely went up there a couple of times when I was a kid uh, camping and that sort of stuff with my family, but uh, haven't gotten over there just yet but one thing at a time right that's right you grew up in the mid hudson valley do you have an opportunity to do any of the hiking there like breakneck ridge and some there's some really cool hikes along there i i haven't really um the one thing i do i do i can say um my dad and i hiked slide mountain when i was a kid and um you know this of course was the times before cell phones and stuff so they're aren't the pictures and videos and all that, but um, somewhere there has to be in a family photo album somewhere, me grasping onto a tree that had the sign about no campfires over a certain amount of feet. And I just remember like feeling like I was dying above that height <laughs> and my dad not doing so well himself. And then there was supposed to be some kind of plaque at the top of the mountain and it wasn't there when we got there. So we specifically mm -hmm. took a picture of like the place where it was supposed to be. <laughs> mm -hmm. Like that's the thing like we remember from that hike. Yeah, that that's a fun hike. I've been up there a few times. So you've been up in New Hampshire and you kind of got bit by the outdoor bug hiking the peaks up there. What brought you to this point where you're going to now attempt the through hike of the Appalachian Trail? <sighs> It's kind of hard to say in some ways. Um, the thing I can tell you is a few years ago, I got the flu really bad and I was stuck on the couch for like a week. And I'm not much of a television person, but as one does, I ended up down the YouTube rabbit hole and Dixie and Darwin, right? Like everybody yeah, watches right. these guys. Um, and I had gone backpacking once with my dad when I was young. And the thing I remember is this big, heavy metal framed backpack that he had, which I actually just recently like got him to take me into the basement and he still has it. Um, I've got a picture I definitely have to put up on social media at some point because needless to say, nothing like we would carry these days. But I just remember like everything just being huge and heavy and all that kind of stuff. So when I saw these YouTube videos and they started talking about carrying less than 30 pounds, like all of a sudden it was like, I, I could do that. You know, I have a couple of back injuries that I have to be careful about and manage, but the idea that you could do that with 20, 30 pounds of gear, like that sounded manageable to me. So very slowly but surely I started stepping my toe into backpacking and just the idea of being able to like throw everything you need on your back and walk off into the woods and be able to survive for a few days on your own just sounded really good to me so started playing around with it a little bit and step by step and just watching all these videos and I think I've been you know, a lot of people say, when did you find out about the AT? Well, it was practically in my backyard. I don't remember a time I didn't know about the AT. Um, and who wouldn't be fascinated with the idea of walking from Georgia to Maine? I don't know. Like, it's just been 
something that's just so interesting. So as I kind of tiptoed into it a little bit, um, started checking out things about the AT and uh, again, kind of this like little accessible bits type of idea. Um, I saw the 14 state challenge on the ATC website and my husband and I before COVID would usually go down to North Carolina on vacation every spring. And so we basically drive the entire length of the trail down to North Carolina. So the idea of being able to stop and do day hikes in the various places was again, something that seemed within my reach. And I did a lot of that. Um, and as I've gotten stronger and just more confident, it just seemed like, why not? Let's give it a try. There's something so cool about that idea that you can walk from Georgia to Maine. I was seven years old when I first heard about that. And that's what sucked me in. Yeah. It was my first backpacking trip. We went up to Sunfish Pond in New Jersey, which you'll hike past. <laughs> yep. And my father explained to me, yeah, we saw the white blazes. And he says, now this trail here, people hike it from Georgia. They start down in Georgia and hike all the way up to Maine. And I was just like. And then a few later, I guess I was yeah. about 10 or 11, I was up there with my older brother and met a through hiker. Wow. And I was like, wow, that is so cool. This guy is actually walking and carrying his stuff and living out here for five months. Yeah, I went through the same thing when I started learning about it. And and like you living in New Jersey, people don't think of New Jersey in this regard, but it was right there in my backyard. I lived sure. 45, 50 minutes. It was outside in New York City, but I can get on the interstate and be there in 45 minutes. Well, these days probably an hour and a half, a lot more traffic than there was in the seventies, but uh, <laughs> I lived in New Jersey for a while. So I totally understand yes. what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you talked about gear and the difference in gear in 1970, of course, everything was heavier. Even a down sleeping bag probably was a little bit less than three pounds, maybe three pounds, right? Yeah. Uh, you buy a good down sleeping bag, you're probably looking less than two pounds right my my i know mine is mine's a pound and something yeah i just think that has made the biggest difference you know people point to the movies that inspire you know that got people out there walking no i think there's more and more people that look at this now and say you know what i can do that you know 60 pounds 50 pounds on my back nah don't think i can and i, and I have back issues myself but now that they are finding ways to develop this gear that is lighter and and telling us leave certain things at home you know, back in the 70s, you brought a hatchet with you. You brought like this big knife. I mean, you went out there, you know, like you were Daniel Boone. Right. <laughs> so kind of the whole approach has changed too. You know, you bring a small pocket knife out with you just to do what you're likely to do. You know, yeah. you might need it to open some packaging, but you're not going to need it to protect yourself from wildlife out there. Right. Yeah. My dad, uh, I, I definitely remember the hatchet. I remember like some giant thing of rope we also like that first backpacking trip we cowboy camped right like we didn't even bring a tent because you know the tent was probably 10 pounds otherwise in those days um yeah just like the technology shift and all of that but it is kind of funny still trying to like get my dad to understand that things have changed a little bit um i bought the tent that i'm planning on taking with me and i tossed it at him one day and it's less than two pounds you know because it's a trekking pole tent and all this and he was just like wow <laughs> it's like it's it's definitely a big difference yeah i went through a little bit of that myself right clung on to my external frame pack and 
my old school stuff. And then in 2007, had knee surgery and said, now I have got to start buying in on this lightweight stuff. I've, it's time for me to buy in on it. And I don't regret it. I'm not ultra light. I don't consider myself fanatical about it. But the truth is, for me to continue hiking, I needed to find ways to lighten up my gear. Sure. Absolutely. I think anybody who's over the age of 20 is probably thinking about that at this point. Well, right. And 20 year olds and myself included, I was probably more guilty of than most people. You feel like you're invincible, right? right. I'll throw my 70 pounds up there. I'm strong. I, you know, I'll go up and down these mountains. Well, guess what? 10, 20 years, your knees are going to start yelling at you for about that. You know, one day yeah. you're going to step out of bed and your knees going to bark at you. And yeah. And yeah. you're right. I, but you know, my experience, I'm seeing the younger people too. I mean, that just seems to be the norm now though. Go right. lighter. Yeah. Oh, it just makes sense. I mean, why why carry what you don't have to if at all possible? Yeah. Within the realm of comfort, though, because I will say, like, my sleep system is pretty heavy duty. But again, I have back problems. So I have to make sure that I'm getting rest and that I'm supporting myself well, you know. Well, that's a good point, Jessica, because I'm asked often about lightweight gear and how far to push it. And no, you've got to be comfortable. And that comfort starts with your sleep. We'll be back after a quick break. You ever think about what might be in the water you're drinking every time you fill up your water bottles while you're in the outdoors? I try not to, and I really don't because I use Sawyer water filters. Sawyer filter technology, because of their high standards, every filter is individually tested three times through the process. I've been using their permethrin product for years now to protect me from, well, quite frankly, ticks and the picaridin to keep the flies at bay. Don't let bad water, insects, or a tick bite cut your trip short or even ruin it. Use Sawyer products. Go to your local outdoor retailer and ask for Sawyer products, whether it's a water filter, insect repellent, they'll likely to have it. You can also go to Sawyer's website and read more about these incredible high quality products that they offer for those of us who enjoy the outdoors. Yes. Right. Especially if you're going to do a long distance thing as an endurance athlete, you know, I, I, I don't necessarily think of myself as an endurance athlete, but I think what I'm doing is an endurance sport. So that recovery time, like it, it has to be dialed in. Otherwise I can't imagine how you would do such a thing. I've talked to a lot of through hikers just over the past two, two and a half years since I started the podcast. And I'm convinced that, yeah, it's an endurance sport. Because you know, if you talk to marathon runners and what their bodies go through post-activity, a lot sure. of similarities, right? Your, yeah. your entire body is just affected by what you're doing. Right. And then you throw in not the greatest diet on top of that because you're trying to carry it on your back. So that's like, yeah. It's well, a you know, interesting combination. <laughs> I have a dietitian, Aaron Owen May, who's I'm friends with, who I've had on the show a few times. And we talk about this, that you'll show up at a shelter and people will talk about their, you know, $500 tent or $400 backpack and then brag about how all the food they bought for $10 at the dollar store. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's just pop tarts and mashed potatoes. <laughs> and I am using her website a lot to fuel this hike. I love her stuff. Like she's, she's part of what has my mindset to that endurance athlete aspect because I've taken some of her master classes and stuff. And I think she's absolutely right on. Like 
you're going to be doing this thing day after day, week after week, month after month. Like you've got to fuel your body properly. Yeah. What she's doing is I think is just so important. And I've tried to impress upon the people that we've brought into our family to just go check out her website, see what she's doing. Because first of all, she's a dietitian. She's just not a backpacker, but she's, this is her living. This is what she, right. she has been schooled to do. Right. Right. This isn't just a through hiker saying, well, this is what worked for me. This is a dietitian saying, no, this is the science behind it. Yeah. Yeah. And she's, it's such like, I love her business. Just like the combination of these two worlds that she's put together. It's super, super cool. And well, I told her one of the times I interviewed you, wow, when you could take something you love and then have your a vocation that you love and put them together. Yeah, absolutely. And to be able to, uh, you know, just have that as a resource has been incredibly important for me. As we were saying before, I'm a vegetarian too. So, you know, being able to make backpacking meals for myself that are going to fit my dietary needs compared to buying the mountain house off the shelf. It's kind of a whole nother story. And one of the things Aaron does with her website and working with people is she teaches people how to pack for their diets. There are a lot of people out there that are vegan, vegetarian, maybe they're doing paleo. And that could be a real challenge. Now you've been involved in Aaron's class with Backcountry Foodie. How are you seeing that? How are you approaching that with uh, sticking to your diet, your vegetarian diet? Yeah. Um, so if you could see my apartment right now, uh, you would laugh because there are just bags and bags and bags of meals that have been put together and ingredients and stuff. My dehydrator is running like 24 seven. Um, so I'm basically just using a lot of the recipes from her website and just trying to figure out which ones she has great categories on there. Like you can just click a button and it's vegetarian or vegan or whatever. Um, and then just kind of, you know, tearing to my own tastes and that sort of thing. Like I'm not a person who does spicy food. So the spicy mac and cheese, well, we're just taking out the spicy, you know, <laughs> that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, like, my support team is going to be helping send me some stuff. I I think, you know, obviously I don't know until I get out there, but I think it's going to probably be impractical to have every resupply be coming from home. Um, but I'm definitely planning to try and like do half and half maybe, or maybe more than half. I'm not sure just yet. Um, my husband and my mother are going to be putting stuff together and sending it to me and, using that website as like the resource for combinations of things and trying to make a plan to put stuff together. Right. Yeah. Cause that's one of the questions I wanted to ask you is about a resupply strategy and who is, who would be the loved ones at home helping you. So that just kind of goes right where I want to go here with this. So yeah. you're going to do, it sounds like some resupply, but you're going to do some in route resupply as well, going into town to buy stuff. Yeah. I, um, I hate to be stereotypical, but I've spent a lot of time in the South and I know I've had issues just in regular restaurants trying to find things that work for me. Uh, so I'm a little concerned about just going into Dollar General and kind of finding what I need. Uh, it's kind of funny. My husband and I did sort of a recon mission up here. Like we went into a couple of different Walmarts. We went into a couple of different dollar stores. Uh, I live in a city. I live in Manchester, New Hampshire. So um, 
my parents, however, are in a fairly rural part of New York State. So when I was visiting them one day, I went into their Walmart and their Dollar Generals to kind of see the difference between the two places. And there was quite a bit of difference. Um, and that just made me want to make sure that I had a system coming from home even more, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, so my mom has been educated in how to use the vacuum sealer and uh, we're like I said, got the dehydrator running and putting ingredients together and going to be putting some stuff together. And she and my husband are going to kind of coordinate things because my mom doesn't have a dehydrator. My mom's also can't be on her feet all day doing this stuff. So uh, the two of them are going to try to work stuff out as far as what to send me and when and that kind of thing. I'm I'm hoping that it's going to be like, I put in my order two weeks in advance and there's a box and wherever you know so. cross your fingers and hope it arrives before you do and <laughs> right yes i've definitely been reading up on the like where to send things and that kind of thing so fingers crossed yeah, yeah. i'm a picky eater i don't have a, a a specific diet i follow but i have food sensitivities so i haven't like bought into the whole every year i approach it saying okay well i'll resupply in town and then leading up to it all I've got to go and do is go into a Walmart or a dollar store and say, I don't think it's going to work for me. And then I just end up caving in and doing my own resupply. Uh, so yeah, I can, I can definitely relate to that. Um, and I only go out for three weeks at a time, two to three weeks at a time. Yeah. I've definitely been reading about most people saying like, send it to a hostel or send it to a business if you can, or even a hotel, because you'll have much better chance of not having to deal with a small town post office schedule. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah. And that's been my experience. It's much less stressful. And that was, I've only sent it to a post office maybe three times in like the past six years that I've been out doing multi-week hikes, but definitely much less stressful when you know it's going to a hostel or, or like I said, a lot of these outfitters will accept hiker boxes. Yeah. Right. But Jessica, how are you feeling at this point about your hike? It's coming up. I'm sure you've got a departure date. I don't know if you want to share it, but um, how are you feeling at this point about your hike? Uh, I think it's just like a combination of so many things all at once. Uh, it's getting pretty real. I am um, starting early mid-March, um, planning to start on my 45th birthday. So uh, it's coming up pretty quick. Um, my jobs are all ending uh, about week and a half from today that we're recording so that's going to be interesting um so it's a combination of excited and nervous and still feeling like i have a ton of things to do um i went out for a little shakedown overnight um i've this is kind of the funny thing about everything that's just been going on in my life recently, but I've had extraordinarily little time to actually go backpacking in the last six months to kind of dial stuff in and figure things out. Um, so I went out for a little overnight early this week because one of my concerns is being cold. Um, I am a cold sleeper. I keep making the joke that I'm pretty sure I die when I go to sleep at night. Like, it's ridiculous. Um, my husband's still like, I don't understand how you can still be cold. I just am. So I went out for a short little overnight uh, early this week. Uh, got down to about 30 degrees. 
the spot I was at, I was on top of about four or five inches of snow, uh, which is something I've never done before either. Uh, and knowing all this, I've bought extra stuff and was hoping that would keep me warm. And long story short, it didn't. Uh, I basically froze all night. Um, so new sleeping pads are on the way. Uh, and hopefully I'm going to get out next week to try that out. So that wasn't exactly a great confidence booster, <laughs> to be honest. Um, but, you know, just like anything else, you figure it out as you go, right? So hopefully the next combination of sleeping pad will work. And I don't expect, you know, I don't expect to be sleeping on top of five inches of snow, even with a fairly early March start, but you never know, right? So I just want to be prepared. Um, so yeah, it's a real combination of excitement and I'm starting to like get messages from friends that are like, I got to see you before you go. And those types of things are happening. So it's, it's a real mix. Starting to feel real now, right? Not just a dream, but it's, it's, it's there. It's starting to happen. Yeah. Like I'm really going to be leaving home for six months, you know? And how do your loved ones feel? We'll start with your mother. How's she feeling for you right now? Is she excited that you're going on this? Is she nervous or maybe not telling you she's nervous? <laughs> I'm trying to re remember the exact words she's been using, but basically it's something along the lines of, you're a full grown adult. I can't tell you what to do. I don't want you to not do something that you want to do because as a lot of people do, she has regrets about things she didn't get to do in her life. So she wants me to do the thing, um, but she's also worried, you know, and I, I'm not a parent, so I don't know firsthand, but like, I can't imagine any parent wouldn't be concerned for even their full grown adult kid doing this thing. So she's fully supportive and slightly terrified, I guess you would say. Yeah, my boys are all adults now and you, you never stop worrying about them. And I trust them. They're very intelligent. They make good decisions for the most part, but you never stop worrying. You know, that's good. She loves you. That's why she worries. Exactly. Exactly. I think my dad is pretty much in the same boat too. I was talking to him the other day and he said something about, you know, your little walk. And I'm like, yeah, my little walk from Georgia <laughs> to Maine. Like, no big deal. <laughs> Has anybody said to you yet, why don't you just fly? It's easier or faster. No, actually nobody said that to me. The biggest thing they've said to me is, are you going alone? You can't, you're not going alone. Oh, are yeah. you? That's, that's been the biggest one. Yeah. Yeah. I just love it when I hear that. Oh, you're not doing that by yourself, are you? And I, I explained to people, and it took some time for my wife to come around on this, is that when you're on EAT, you're never really alone. Right. I mean, you'll have that time where there's solitude where, yes, you are hiking by yourself. But in the event something were to happen, somebody's going to cross your path. Right. Yeah. A couple of years ago, I did four days. I uh, basically went from Hanover to New Hampshire to the opposite side of Mount Cube, um, like I said, it took me about four days and every night at a shelter, there were like five, six, seven people there. It was July too. So of course it was pretty much getting into the bubble hitting up here. Um, but yeah, I was hiking by myself during the day, but even, even if you stopped for a little while, somebody usually came by within 
not too long. Um, and starting when I'm starting and, you know, I'm not the fastest person in the world. So hopefully I keep up with the bubble, but, uh, you know, I, I don't think I'm going to be alone for very long. Yeah. All the people I've interviewed and talked to over the years, you, you always find your, your pace and you're going to turn around and realize at some point there's a group of people you hiking at your pace as well. You know, and hence the term tramley. Right. And, and you'd form these friendships and these bonds that you, you, there's a lot of stories of people who hike with the same group of people, strangers before they got on the trail and end up hiking a good part of the trail with those people. Right. Yep. So and the AT is a very social trail. It's, you know, there's a, there's a very social aspect to hiking the Appalachian trail. That's one of the things I'm really looking forward to is just meeting other like-minded people that are out there doing the same crazy thing. <laughs> yeah. And I love hearing that because a lot of people relate this to just going out into the woods. Like you said, I'm going to be out there by myself. You know, if that's what you're looking for, wrong trail. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, I, I think part of it for me too, is the last couple of years uh, with COVID super isolated at home like i i don't need to be isolated i would like to be out in the woods more i don't love living in a city but it's the circumstances i have at the moment um but yeah meeting other people is one of the things i'm looking forward to and how's your husband feeling at this point he's helping you it sounds like he's extremely supportive and i always i know from my own own experience if your your spouse or your loved one or significant other isn't buying in it's not going to happen you're not even going to step foot on the trail. So obviously you have a lot of support there from your yeah. husband. And how's he feeling at this point? Uh, I think reality is starting to set in for him a little bit too. Um, you know, same kind of thing. I think he's excited and nervous. Uh, he's coming with me to start. Um, we're flying down to Georgia together. The plan is to do the approach trail and then stay at the lodge at Amakalola one night and then we're gonna do like the first night from Springer together and then he'll fly home after that. Um and we haven't had much chance to get his gear together. So that's gonna be another thing that we have to figure out. Um yeah, I mean I think he's he is extremely supportive. I think in some ways if our circumstances were different, he might think about coming with me. Um but as we keep saying, he drew the short straw and somebody has to have a job and health insurance and all that fun stuff. Um, so, yeah, I think it's I think it's mixed emotions there, too. Like, I think he's excited for me in a lot of ways. Uh, in some ways, this was his idea. You know, he was kind of like, you've been watching all these YouTube. Why don't you just go do it? <laughs> mm -hmm. and I was like, really? Do you think I could? Like, So, no, that's that's great. And who knows? You know, it sounds to me like there's a real good chance at some point you're going to go back and hike this trail with him, or maybe you become the support for him. It's possible. Are any plans for him to meet you along the trail? You'll be going through New Hampshire, obviously, but at any other places on the trail? Yeah, I, I mean, we don't have anything kind of set in stone at this point. He was thinking about trail days in May, um, the place we used to go to for vacation before COVID he was thinking about doing that and trying to like meet me here and there along the way so nothing set in stone but I definitely think he's gonna be coming in my direction at certain points 
throughout the time. Hey, Jessica, do you plan on documenting your trip at all? I'm hoping to do the whole YouTube thing to some degree. I don't think, I don't know. I don't think I'm going to do like every day post a video like some people do, but I, I can't imagine not having some kind of documentation of something like this, you know, like how many people do we, well, <laughs> I was going to say, how many people do you know that have done this? But when you're in the hiking world, you know more people, but generally speaking, like, you know, most people, you know, don't do this. So, um, I, you know, I want to have some kind of documentation for myself or my family, um, that sort of thing. I wish I was more of a journaler, but I'm really not. So like, hopping out the cell phone and taking a video seems to like make the most sense and doing some kind of putting it together while I'm out there seems to make sense. Well, I admire the people willing to share their experiences. Uh, most of the people in our family last year did that. They had YouTubes and it was, it's always fine. I mean, we talked about this being YouTube junkies, right? We right. love getting on there and watching the people hike, right? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, there, there's a great appreciation for that. I think we all love it when you people are out there just sharing what you have and the good and the bad. I always, uh, when I talk to people, one of the people I talked to this year, it was part of our family, had some tough, everybody has their tough times, but you know, they put it right out there. You know, it's yeah. having a crappy time here, or this is, I've hit a tough section here mentally. I'm kind of struggling a little bit with what's going on. And, and I told him, I said, you know, that's, we need to see that. We need to see that it's, it's Absolutely. not a walk in the woods, yeah, like the movie type of thing, right? Right. It's not all puppies, kittens, and rainbows, you know. Exactly. There's times sure. where it's going to suck out there. Right. Yeah, I, I really appreciate the people that do do that because I think otherwise it's, you know, you're just not getting a realistic viewpoint of it's going to rain and it's going to be cold and you're going to be hungry and that's part of the deal. And, and do you still keep going? Like that's, I, I think that's part of the adventure, at least in my mind is like, how do you, how do you meet those challenges? Two weeks of rain and well, Robert Redford didn't get rained on for two weeks. What's this all about? <laughs> right. <laughs> well, you got this, you know, you're, you're coming up on us. I don't know if you've had enough time for, to really think hard about this or, you know, the excitement. I know what it's like to plan for a big trip and a big hike. But do you have any expectations going into this, what you're looking to get out of it? Or are there any special places you're looking forward to seeing on the trail? I've been really trying to give this question some thought because you're not the first person to ask me that. Um, and there's part of me that doesn't really want to place an expectation because a lot could happen in six months. Um of course, I think there's some, I, I would be dishonest if I wasn't saying I expect to get to Maine, right? Like that's, that's one of the expectations. Like I want to do the whole thing. Uh, I'm not going out there to not do the whole thing, but life happens. Right. So, you know, we'll see about that. Um, as far as what I want to get out of it, part of I think the attraction of doing it at the point in my life that I'm at is because I am middle-aged, right? Going to be 45 years old the day I start. And, you know, if I'm lucky, that's about halfway, right? Like if I make it to 90, that's pretty good, right? 
Um, and I've had a near catastrophic illness in my life already. So I've had the opportunity to sort of face my mortality in that way. Um, and I think part of what I am hoping that I do while I'm out there is just figure out like, okay, so what do I want the next 45 years to look like? What do I want? Like, who do I want to be? What, what do I want to do? Like, what, what's the direction this thing is headed in? Um, which seems like a lot to put on anything, to be honest, but got a lot of time to walk. So yeah, I haven't through hiked the AT, but I could tell you this, even when I'm out there for just two weeks, you have a lot of those long periods of time where you reflect, you look at where you've been, where you're going in life. It happens organically. Right? Yeah. When you're by yourself for sometimes six, seven or eight hours, it, it happens. And I love, you know, the expectations are, yeah, you'd love to get the Katahdin. But like I told our group about a month ago, I think we had our group interview. You know, it's it's great if you can make it there. Does that mean that you had a more successful Appalachian Trail experience than the person that maybe had to get off in Virginia or Pennsylvania? It might not because that person, it might not have been their choice. It might have gotten that far and said, well, I've had enough. Like I call it the Forrest Gump moment, right? I'm done. Right? <laughs> I went through that in Vermont one year. Yeah, I'm done. I'm ready I to go home. I'll go home now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. I remember being on the phone with my wife and said, you know, I, I, I think I'm going to come home now. I think I've had enough hiking for the year. But, you know, I, I told them, I said, you know, you, you've done more than most people will ever even think of doing. You're right. There's so, it's, there's so many people out there on YouTube doing it. But when you look at the bigger picture, how many people never even take that first step to get out there and attempt it? Jessica, I, I think it's great that you're doing this. I'm really happy to have you as part of our family this year. And I'm looking forward to talking to you as you go along on this journey. So, you know, checking in with us and letting us know how the journey's going. And when you get up into New York State, I'm really hoping this year I can meet a couple of our people when they get up this far. And um, I'd like, I'm going to try to do some trail magic this year too. So, um, cool. Yeah, so if you're up here, I'll be probably be asking you have a family favorite candy bar or snack that you want me to bring. So, okay, consider a payment for for your what you've add, the value you've added to the podcast. Oh, that's super <laughs> sweet of you. From what I heard it from through hikers last year, it sounds like bring water. <laughs> they were definitely having a hard time with that. All right, Jessica, thank you so much for being generous and giving up your time and sharing all this with you. We're going to wish you the best of luck. And we look forward to talking to you along your journey. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. If you haven't done so yet, go to our website, palmabearhikes.com. Listen to past episodes. Check us out on social media. Go to our YouTube channel, Martin Outside. All those links are there. In addition to that, you can buy our book or see what you're missing out on if you're not a Patreon member yet. Remember to get outside, have fun, and be safe. This episode of Pop Bear Hikes has been brought to you by Avalon Publicity. Avalon Publicity, increasing the digital footprint of content creators and skilled professionals via website development and social media services. For more information about Avalon Publicity, go to their website, avalonbusiness.org. That's avalonbusiness.org.